baptism of the Holy Spirit, fully standing on the Word of God in his life. And, and Jesus, you expressed the glory of God like none other. Father, today we just pray that we'll begin to move further into obedience along those lines. We know that Jesus is our example. And Jesus, the Word of God says, as you are, so are we in this world. So, Father, help us to live with the same sense of reliance and dependency upon you. Lord, right now we open our hearts to your holy written word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit revealing and unveiling that truth to us and giving us insight and wisdom. And Lord, help us to not just be hearers of the word of God, but help us to apply it. Help us to do it. Help us to... Uh, personify it and embody it in our lives, in our relationships with one another. Lord, we thank you for it and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. It is so good for Lisa and I to be with you again. We, um, I guess we have a couple reasons why we enjoy being here so much. Uh, number one, there's just such great people in the church and uh, you're always so friendly and welcoming to us. But I think another reason we love being here just because we love Pastor Terry and Diane so much. Uh, you know, I have to like him because he looks like me. How, you know, how could you not like somebody that looks like you? So I, I don't mind Pastor Terry saying that because he's a good looking guy. So uh, at any rate, it's a joy to be with you guys. And we really do love and honor and respect your pastors. And you guys are really blessed to have great pastors like this. Uh, they are top quality people. They're people of integrity. They love God and His Word. And uh, just uh, we love and appreciate their heart and their leadership over the years. Uh, it seems like every time I'm here, I have to give you a tennis report. Um, because historically, uh, Pastor Terry and I both like tennis. Now, he's a great golfer, and I'm not a golfer. And, uh, but we both, you know, I'd say we're fairly even in tennis and, um, and, and usually when I'm here, I have to give a bad report. Uh, I usually have to tell you that he smoked me, that he trampled me, that he was completely inhospitable and, uh, you know, made me feel real bad on the tennis court. But today I have kind of a, a balanced report. We played two sets yesterday after the men's meeting in the morning, and he won one and I won one. And uh, so we, we tied yesterday. And uh, he said at the end of the two sets, he said, you want to play again? And I said, you know, let's just quit while, you know, <laughs> quit while we're in good shape here. So uh, I'm just a little bit sore today. And uh, so, but that's just, you know, from a, a good sore. And uh, sorry, I'm kicking my stuff off the platform. Thank you, Pastor Terry. You ought to have him tell him what happened at ping pong when we Oh, we did. We, when we popped by his house last night, we did play a quick game of ping pong. Thank you, sir. We played a quick game of ping pong and, uh, and I ruled. I dominated that. But, uh, but he's a very good ping pong player too. You, you know, he, he, he's kind of comes across as Clark Kent, but in other venues, he's Superman. All right. Uh, but one thing seriously that I do want to say, uh, before we begin, I want to thank you guys for being good givers in your church. And uh, you may think I have no interest in how well you give, but um, uh, I just want to share this because I think, you know, it's good for you to know. Uh, I'm sure your church supports several missionaries and other ministers and things like that. And you all have, have very graciously supported us 
our ministry on a monthly basis here for I don't know how many years, but uh, every month, just very faithfully, there's a, a check uh, from Summit Church to help us in our ministry. And uh, just so you'll know kind of what that helps us do, um, as Pastor Terry said, we do travel all over and we preached in 46 states and 22 nations, I think. Had a great trip to Russia and Ukraine just a, a few months ago. Uh, but one of our main outreaches, and we have invested a lot into this this year, is our website. Uh, it's amazing how people in countries that you think would be totally third world countries, they have computers there and they have internet there. And we have poured uh, lots of resources and they're resources that help train and teach pastors and missionaries, uh, many of whom in other countries have never had the privilege of going to Bible school. And so we pour tons of resources into our website. And so far this year, uh, we've had leaders, missionaries, and pastors. And this just blows my mind from 154 nations that have visited our website and read articles. And we get emails. We just got a really sweet email from a, uh, a pastor in Nigeria, uh, Kenya, Kenya uh, named Elkanah. He's, that's a biblical name in the Old Testament. And he just said, thank you for the teachings you put on there. He said, uh, please keep sending them. They help me, you know, be a better pastor. And that was all he said. But just that one sentence right there. You know, when we look at the statistics from our computer analytics and we see that, that leaders from 154 nations have drawn from those resources, it just makes us extremely thankful to churches like you guys that, that help us to be able to have the resources to pour into that. So just want to say thank you for that. I'd like you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, the second chapter of Acts. And I have a very specific message uh, that I want to share with you today that uh, has been on my heart strong uh, for several months. And it has to do with the role. Everybody say role. role. And I'm not talking about a crescent role uh, or, or a uh, donut type thing. R-O-L-E. Uh, I want to talk about the role of believers. How many of you are believers? The role of believers in the last days. Do you believe that God has an assignment for you, a specific assignment for you? You know, there's a reason why God gave you a personality like nobody else's. Uh, I was hearing a couple of guys talk the other day, and one of them said, you know, to the other, they were good. Actually, they're two ministers, and they were just joking. And, and one of them said, you know, when God created you, he looked at you and said, I'll never do that again. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. When God made you, he looked at you and said, I'll never do that again. Not that there was anything wrong with you. It's just you're one of a kind. You've got fingerprints that nobody else has. Uh, you are uh, uniquely gifted. Uh, God has given you gifts and abilities, and uh, you are a special person. Uh, you're not a clone uh, of anyone else. God made you unique and special, and he has a special assignment and plan and purpose for your life. And we find the general uh, guidelines for this plan in the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today. In Acts chapter 2, verse 16, uh, Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost, began to describe 
What was happening? You know, the day of Pentecost was, was a, an eternity-changing event. History changed on the day of Pentecost. The ways of the Old Testament, God working through a Levitical priesthood, where just a couple of people, the prophet, the priest, and the king, had the Spirit of God, and everybody else was just kind of a passive spectator. You know, you didn't dare go, if you were not a priest, you didn't dare go into the holy place of the temple. And if you were not the high priest, you certainly didn't go into the holy of holies because there was a, there was a segregated select few that had the anointing who could minister on God's behalf. You know, in the Old Testament, the great majority of the people were, you know what? They were spectators. They didn't have the Spirit of God living and thriving on the inside of them and anointing them for service. If they wanted to know what God was saying, they had to listen to the prophet because God just by and large, there was a different system back then. People, individuals, just the average individual couldn't come boldly before the throne of grace because Jesus hadn't died yet, hadn't ascended yet, hadn't, you know, made it into heaven where he is now today as our intercessor, our high priest. You know, when, when Jesus rose from the dead and especially when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, something radical changed in the way God was going to deal with mankind. And so when Peter is beginning to explain this phenomenon of Pentecost to all these people who who don't know what's going on, let's see what Peter said in this description. In Acts 2.16, Peter is preaching and he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. See, this is going to be something new. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on... I will pour out my spirit on all flesh or all mankind. Now, that was radical. You know, we've heard this verse so many times that we don't think anything about it. But for people then to think that everybody was going to have access to experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, that was revolutionary. That was something that the people of the Old Testament could have never imagined had it not been for a prophetic insight. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters. Notice it's for young people. Notice it's for male and female. Nobody's going to be excluded from this. When God pours out His Spirit on all flesh, the sons and the daughters shall... They'll prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Pastor Terry, I'm trying to keep having visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants. See, no, it's not just the, the upper high class of society. It's not just the old, wise, male sages 
of the community. It's on the sons and the daughters, the young men, the old men, the men servants and the maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now again, we may have a tendency to take this for granted. This was radical. This was revolutionary. You know what God was saying? No more spectators. No more passive observers. No more outsiders looking in. Everybody's going to be an insider. Anyone who will open up their heart and receive the outpouring of God's Spirit in their life is going to be endued with power. What did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? And you shall be witnesses unto me. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But in this passage in Acts, there are three themes. Everybody say three themes. There are three themes that are brought up here and we're going to see in a few other scriptures that we look at that these three themes that I'm going to give you right now are repeated consistently in the New Testament over and over again. Now, what does it mean when God repeats something over and over and over and over? What does that mean? That He really wants us to get that. Uh, You know, if God just says something one time, you know, well, that may be important. But when God says the same thing over and over and over again, which we're going to see He does here, we find out God is wanting us to get this. So what are those three themes? I'm going to give you three words. The first word that comes out here as part of the major theme is the word everybody. Say everybody. And again, we we kind of alluded to this already. God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit not on a select few, not on some special class of people, but God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, the young men, the old men, the men servants and the maid servants, meaning it doesn't matter if you're a king or a servant, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, everybody. Say everybody includes me. So the first key theme that we see here is everybody. Here's the second theme that we see that, again, we're going to see repeated over and over again in the New Testament is the word influence. Everybody say influence. When God says, I will pour out my spirit on you, what he's saying is I'm going to influence you. I'm going to influence you. My presence, my power is going to come flooding into your life. And I'll tell you what, God meant for His Spirit to be an influence in us. So the second thing, first of all, it's for everybody. Second, it's an influence. And then here's the third theme, expression. Everybody say expression. Expression. Notice everybody, all flesh, who gets influenced by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was then going to have an expression. In other words, God puts something into you to get something out of you. Notice what he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and they shall criticize. No, no, it doesn't say criticize. It says they shall prophesy. You know, sometimes there's people who are very critical and they think they're very spiritual. 
And, and yet the Bible doesn't say that when you get filled with the Spirit that you'll criticize. The Bible says when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll prophesy. And notice it not only says that once, uh, look in verse 17, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall again prophesy. But look down in verse 18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they shall prophesy two times it's emphasized that when you get properly influenced that there will be an expression coming out of you now because Joel was an Old Testament prophet the expressions coming out of Old Testament prophets was pretty limited when a prophet had the Spirit of God come on him what did he do? He prophesied. That's what prophets do. But what Joel did not know, and, and please understand, how many of you know the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part? I'm not saying that what Joel said was incorrect, but I'm saying that when we move into the New Testament, we find out when the Spirit of God comes on people, there are actually many kinds of expressions not only prophecy. Joel used the one expression that he was familiar with as an Old Testament prophet. But the Bible tells us that the prophets of old, you know, were yearning to look into what was going to be happening in our day and age today. But they couldn't see it all, but they just knew that it was unto us that they prophesied, not unto themselves. So Joel used the best word he knew how, that when the Spirit of God came upon people, they would prophesy. But what are the three expressions? Number one, it's everybody. Number two, it's influence. Number three, it's expression. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles over to First uh, Peter chapter 4. And let's see if we can find this theme in other places. Because if it's for everybody, then I don't know about you, I want to make sure I'm in on it. I want to make sure I'm not missing the boat. If there's an influence, I want to make sure I'm getting influenced properly. If there is to be an expression coming out of my life, then I want to make sure that I've got an expression coming out of me. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, 1 Peter 4, 10, it says, As each one... What does that sound like? That sounds like everybody. What if I said, um, at the end of this service... Now, please keep in mind, I said, what if I said... If I said, at the end of this service, I want everybody to come see me, I've got a $100 bill for each one of you. I said, if I said that. And so in our little hypothetical pretend story that's not really going to happen, I am a popular guy after church. Everybody wants to come up and say hi to Brother Tony. Uh, you don't mind being late at the restaurant just to say hi to Brother Tony because you love me so much and you want $100. So a long line forms. And uh, you just happen to be, we'll just say, number 10 in line. 
And so the first person, he just, I mean, how many of you know some things sound too good to be true? And what your mom always teach you? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And you're thinking, man, this is, you know, Tony seems like a decent guy, but this just sounds too good to be true. But you're sitting there kind of watching, and the first person in line, I shake their hand, hand them $100. Second person in line, hand them $100. Third person, all nine people in front of you get $100. You're number 10. Now your hope, your confidence, your expectation is really high. Why? Because you've seen me give everybody $100. And, uh, and, and so I shake your hand and say, you know what? I don't have $100 for you. Would you please step aside? And so you kind of step aside, and here's number 11. God bless you, here's your $100. Number 12, here's your $100. Number 13, and I just keep giving everybody $100. And you're sitting there thinking, this isn't right. He said he had a $100 bill for each one of us. So are you going to be a little bit perturbed in this hypothetical story? That's not really going to happen. Are you going to be a little bit perturbed at me and, and want to say, I want to have a word with you, Brother Cook. You said you had a $100 bill for each one, and now you're telling me that I'm not part. I'm part of everybody. You see what I'm saying? When God says everybody, He means everybody. Peter said, as each one has received a gift. You know what this means? This means if you belong to God, if you are a child of God, if you, you know, Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you, you've been brought by the blood of the Lamb, you are a member of the family of God, if, you, if that's you, you have received a gift. Amen. As each one, that's everybody, has received a gift, Guess what? That's influence. When somebody gives you a gift, that's influence. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. In other words, let me just paraphrase that. As each person has received a gift, use that gift to serve other people. Can I just say something about this? Every person in here has at least one type of gift that you've received from heaven. The gift that you have from heaven wasn't given to you for your benefit. It was a, it's not a toy for you to play with. It's a tool for you to use. There was a, a group of people up here that, that, that ministered beautifully in worship. You know, that gift that was given to them wasn't just given for their personal benefit so that they could sing in the shower. Not that there's anything wrong with singing in the shower. I mean, we should worship God individually. But the gift that was given them was so they could lead us into the presence of God. If God has given me a gift of teaching... It's not because God wanted to make me a teacher. He wanted me to use that gift so you could learn. If God has given me the gift of teacher, it's not so I can sit around and think lots of smart thoughts and say, well, I'm really impressed with myself. 
if, if God has given me the gift of teaching, it's so other people can learn. If God had given me the gift of evangelism, it's, so, it's not because he wants to make me a big evangelist. It's because he wants lost people to get saved. If God has given me a gift of, let's say, healings and miracles, it's not because he wants to make me the big healing miracle guy. It's because he wants sick and hurting people to be made well. God doesn't give us gifts for our benefit. He gives us gifts so we can use them as tools for the benefit of others. As each one, say that includes me, as each one has received a gift, been influenced by heaven's ability, minister it to one another. Use that gift to serve other people. Now let's see what the rest... So do you see everybody influence expression? When you serve other people with your gift, that's an expression coming out of your life. Now, what else does he go? He goes on to say some other things here that are important. He says, if anyone speaks. Now, he says that everybody has received a gift. But then he says, if. What's if mean? Maybe, maybe not. If anyone speaks. Now, he's talking about a gift. You know what that means? Speaking, in other words, preaching, teaching, all the verbal things, may or may not be your gift. Your primary gift in life might involve the ability to teach, the ability to preach, something verbal, something vocal. If anyone speaks, what does he say? Let him speak as of the oracles of God. That means... If you have a teaching gift, it's not your assignment to just give your theories and your opinions and your ideas. If you have a teaching or preaching gift, you're to declare what God has said. But the very fact that it says if that's your area means that may not be your area. So what about everybody else? If anyone serves... If, or it says, if anyone ministers, but that word means serve. So see, there are some people who are called to speak. There are other people who are called to serve. What Peter does here is he gives two main categories. You know, there's several ways when you look at the gifts that God has given, there's many different ways you can divide those gifts and label different gifts. You know what Peter just did? He just put them into two big categories. Fruits and vegetables. Okay? Now you could take the fruits and vegetables and then you could divide them up between strawberries, blueberries, bananas, orange. But Peter doesn't go into lots of detail. Peter just does the two main categories. Now guess who goes at, guess who breaks them up into lots of little details? Paul does. But Peter really just differentiates between those who are called to serve behind the pulpit and those who are called to serve behind the scenes. How many of you would say, you know what, teaching and preaching is probably not my gift? Let me see your hand. You know what, that's the great majority of the people. Do you know how frustrated you all would be if everybody in here was called to teach and preach? 
But that's why he said, if anyone is called to speak, to teach or preach, but if that's not your area, then he says, but if anyone is called to serve. So guess what that means? If you're not called to teach or preach, like behind the pulpit, a preaching gift, then you probably are called to serve in some capacity. But again, we go back to what what, uh, Peter said, or, or these three main categories rather, Everybody has been influenced in order to give an expression. Now let's look at one other passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. I just want to show you this, and and we won't take long on this particular verse, but Ephesians 4.11, it says, And he himself, that's talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Do you know what Paul just did? He took that main category that Peter established, those who speak, and and now he's giving us the detailed. Peter just said fruits, But Paul is going through the blueberry, cherries, bananas, apples, oranges. He's just going more detailed. Those that are called to speak, Jesus gave them to the church, apostles, prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did Jesus give them? For the equipping of the saints. Can I point out something? That does not say for the entertaining of the saints. We don't come to church to be entertained. We don't... You know, oh, he's my favorite preacher. He just makes me laugh. He just... No, we're not here to be entertained. We're we're here to be equipped for the equipping of the... Now, can I tell you something? You know who the saints are? Everybody. That means every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ. Everybody is to be equipped... What's the equipping? That's the influence. So why do the saints, everybody, get equipped, get influenced? Why? It is so that they can do for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the expression. The saints, everybody, get equipped, they get influenced so they can do the work of the ministry or the work of serving, that's the expression. Do you see that? Everybody, influence, expression, and also and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now look at verse 16. It just referenced Jesus, and it says, from whom or from Jesus, the whole body... What's that? The whole body, that's everybody, that's every single one of us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. The supply is the influence according to the effective working by which every part, there's everybody again, does its share. That's the expression. It causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Isn't that amazing? 
everybody, the whole body, all of the saints are supposed to receive a supply or an equipping from the fivefold ministry gifts. And when they're influenced, then they are to do the work of the ministry and everybody is supposed to do his or her part. Everybody influence expression. You know, I came across some statements late in the year last year, probably from about November 15th to December 15th, I believe that God sovereignly dropped these quotes, these statements. They're really prophecies uh, from some spiritual leaders. And they, um, they all say the same thing. And just within a period of about four weeks, all of these different quotes from different sources, I, I just came across them. And, and, you know, after, you know, you get five different statements that say the same thing, you begin to think, you know, duh, maybe God's trying to tell me something. And I want to read these five statements to you. I believe they're five prophetic statements. And let me just give them to you. Charles Price, a couple of these I mentioned yesterday, men, you may remember these. Charles Price was a great leader in the Pentecostal movement of the 1930s. And here's what he said way back in the 1930s, 80 years ago. He said, layman. What's a layman when we talk church stuff? Point to yourself. That means you're not the pastor. You're not a missionary. You're not an evangelist. You're not necessarily in a five-fold ministry gift, but you are part of the body of Christ. You're a follower of Jesus. You're you know, a believer. Layman, meaning just every believer, he said, layman will be his most important channel. Not the clergy or the theologians or the great gifted preachers, but men and women with ordinary jobs in the ordinary world. You guys are important. You, you're a vital part of everybody. Uh, Mordecai Ham, the gentleman that led Billy Graham to the Lord, said this. He said, God gave me a revelation of the last days. It is the layman that will reach the world. And he went on to call, Mordecai Ham went on to call layman the sleeping giant of evangelism. How many of you know who George Washington Carver was? Uh, George Washington Carver, you know, we know him for the guy that discovered a lot of different ways to use peanuts. But you know what the secular history books will never tell you is that he was a man of God. He was a man deeply devoted to prayer and deeply devoted to being led by the Holy Spirit. If you're ever in southern Missouri, southwestern Missouri... Uh, near Joplin. His boyhood home is there and they've got a beautiful museum there. There is a movie they show in that little museum exhibit area that is amazing. I mean, the way that guy prayed every morning and listened to God and then went into the laboratory, he said, I prayed, God gave me my marching orders and I just went into the laboratory and did what he showed me. One of the most creative geniuses of of modern history and he, he devoted all of, of the credit 
in honor to God. But he said something else that didn't have anything to do with peanuts, had to do with us. He said, there is going to be a great spiritual awakening in the world. And it is going to come from plain, simple people who know, not simply believe, but actually know that God answers prayer. It is going to be a great revival of Christianity, not a revival of religion. How many of you know we don't need more religion? He said, this is going to be a revival of true Christianity. It is going to rise from the layman, from men who are going about their work. See, we're not called to go live on a mountain somewhere and put on white sheets and wait for Jesus to come back. We need to be about our work. We need to be involved in the world. From men who are going about their work and putting God into what they do from men who believe in prayer and who want, this last part is so important, and who want to make God real to mankind. You know, I wonder how many believers really want to make God real to mankind. Do we really want to make Him real to other people or are we just content that He's real to us? George Washington Carver said, there's coming a great spiritual awakening in the last days. It's going to rise from plain, simple laymen who who believe in prayer, who want to make God real to mankind. I don't know about you. I want to be a part of that. I I don't want to miss the boat and be a spectator, you know, watching when I should be working. Dwight L. Moody said, if the world is going to be reached, I am convinced that it must be done by men and women of average talent. Tommy Hicks, who was one of the leading ministers in the great healing revival of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, made a statement. He said, God is going to take the do-nothings, the nobodies, the unheard of. He is going to take every man and every woman, and He is going to give to them this outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, those are the five statements I came across last mid-November to mid-December. And as those different quotes just came to me from different and various sources, I began to see, God, you know what? For us preachers, we're not here to entertain people. We're here to equip people. Now, Now, you could look at that and say, oh, well... They're saying everything's going to be done through the lay people, so we don't even need pastors anymore. No, we need all fivefold ministry gifts. The pastors and, and the other gifts, they are the ones who are equipping the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. God has given your pastor the Spirit and the Word. I mean, every one of us can have the Spirit and the Word, but He's given your pastor a special gift of teaching and communicating the Word of God so that you can be equipped then to have an expression. Pastor Terry is helping God download things into you so that you can get that on the inside of you and then that can begin to be expressed through a personality that has been transformed, gifts that are anointed from God that are being exercised and released. 
One, one final scripture. This will be the last scripture we look at today. Romans chapter 12. Romans the 12th chapter. Let's just see if there's everybody influence and expression in this passage of scripture. Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members in one body. Now, you could be talking about the universal church, but I think it's really appropriate to talk about the local church because Paul was writing to a church in a place, Rome. If we have many members in one body, what would we call those many members in the one body? That's everybody, right? Today I'm looking at many members in one body. Everybody in here, I'm looking at everybody, many members in one body. We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same... Now, what if that sentence... See, look at that sentence again. We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. What if that sentence read this way? We have many members in one body, but not all the members have a function. Wouldn't that radically change that? What would it mean if it said not all the members have a function? What would that mean? That would mean that some of you don't, you're useless. You don't have anything to contribute. You don't have any gifts. You don't have any abilities, you know, you're just lucky we let you come and sit here because you're useless. You're worthless. Aren't you glad that's not what it says? It says we have many members in one body, but not all the members have the same function. What does that mean? It means that everybody has a function, just not everybody has the same function. Wouldn't it be crazy if everybody tried to get up here and preach? or everybody tried to come up and lead the worship, or if everybody tried to run and jump in the sound booth and start turning knobs and pushing buttons, it'd be crazy. We don't all have the same function. But let's read on and see what it says. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You remember how Peter said that we were to use our gifts to serve one another? Here Paul says we are members, individually we're members of one another, having then gifts differing. See, that's just such a beautiful statement. We have different gifts. Don't try to imitate somebody else. Don't feel jealous if somebody else has something that you don't have. Having then gifts differing according to the grace. Everybody say grace. grace. You know what grace is? It's divine influence. See, we're already seeing in this passage, we haven't even read very far in it, we're already seeing everybody. We have many members in one body. We're already seeing influence. Having then gifts differing according to the grace or the divine influence in our lives let us use them or let's function, have, this, have the proper function. That's the expression. Is that cool? Yes. Everybody 
influence, expression. You remember what I said? Why would God say something over and over and over and over again? And we all agreed it's because He wants us to get it. So he begins to list, the, remember in, in the book of Acts when they were quoting the Old Testament prophet Joel, he said when the Spirit comes on everybody, they'll prophesy. Well, Joel was an Old Testament prophet, so he was only used to Old Testament stuff. And Old Testament, when the Spirit of God came on him as a prophet, he prophesied. But what he didn't realize is that in the New Testament, that we have gifts differing. Because in the New Testament, it's not just going to be one prophet. It's going to be everybody. And we're not going to all have the same gift. We're not going to all have the same function. We're going to have gifts differing according to the grace that is given. Some folks, it will be... And notice what it says, if prophecy. Here we have that if again. If it's prophecy... Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. That's one expression of the influence of the Spirit. Or ministry. That word ministry means serving. In our English language, we've done a great disservice and we think that the word minister or ministry only refers to the preacher. That is, is totally not what it meant in, in, in the original language. Ministry just simply meant serving. If, if it's prophecy, then prophesy according to your proportion of faith. If it's serving, then, then use the grace of God in your serving. Uh, if you teach, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You know what all of those are? Those are different expressions that might come out of every one of us at any given certain point in time as different needs arise and as we yield ourselves to the grace of God and the love of God that's on the inside of us. Those are the expressions. Those are the Again, this, this is the list of vegetables broken down into details. Now, let me tell you a couple things about this list. Prophecy, ministry, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy. Number one, I don't believe this list is meant to be exhaustive. I don't think this is a complete list. I think it was Paul saying, here's a few examples. There could be other things there. You know, for example, one that Peter listed that Paul did not list because Paul wasn't trying to list every possible expression. Peter listed hospitality as an expression. Paul didn't list that one right here. But how many of you know some people, that the way that God has influenced their heart they can, be, they can just exercise great hospitality, really make people feel welcome. Some of those people, their, their greatest spiritual uh, weapon is, is a baking pan. I like people who have that gift. 
It wasn't meant to be exhaustive. There's other things that could have been listed there. Paul was just listing a few for examples. Here's another thing about that list. It was not meant to be exclusionary. It was not meant to be exclusionary. What I mean is you're not supposed to look at that list and say, oh, yeah, I don't have the gift of giving. So I'm not going to give in the tithes and all. That's not my gift. Or you look at the list and say, I don't have the gift of serving. I'm not going to help anybody do anything. It's not my gift. Or somebody comes to you and says, man, I, I need to f- ask your forgiveness. You know, something you said, I just let it offend me. And uh, I just need to ask your forgiveness for getting it. You can't say, sorry, mercy's not my gift. <laughs> now, let me differentiate some things about this list, okay? The things on this list can be, everybody say this word, basic, basic. Christian, Christian responsibilities. The things on this list, you don't have to have a special gift of giving to bring your tithes into the church because the tithe belongs to God anyway. When you tithe, you're just giving God what He said was already His. You don't have to have a special gift of giving to bring your tithes and offerings in to help your church. You don't have to have a special gift of mercy to forgive somebody that asks your forgiveness. That's just a basic Christian responsibility. Uh, Just like if Pastor Terry said, hey, we're going to be doing something in here after service. If all you guys can just pick up a few chairs, we're going to stack the chairs against this wall. You don't need to have a special gift of serving to help move a chair or two. Okay? That's just basic Christian responsibility. What Paul is talking about here are the basic Christian responsibilities that we can all operate in on steroids. In other words, everybody can be merciful, but some people have a special grace in that area. Let me give you an example. Any of you can be merciful to somebody just by letting the love of God, but you may not be called to do what Mother Teresa did. How many of you know she operated at a level of mercy that is beyond just the basic Christian responsibility. I think she had a calling and a gift of mercy. You know, you don't have to have a special gift to bring your tithes and offerings into church. Let me give you an example of somebody that I think had a gift of giving. A gentleman came to me at church many years ago uh, when I was in pastoral ministry, and he said, Brother Cook, he said, I want you to know, he said, I used to get under so much condemnation when you guys talked about obeying God and following the call of God on your life. He said, because in my mind, the only thing that the call of God meant was you got to be a preacher. And he said, I would be terrified to get up and give a sermon. I, it would, he said, if you told me I had to preach next Sunday, I wouldn't sleep between now and then. Well, why is that such a terrifying, traumatic thing? Because he's not called to do that. But he knew he was called, but in his mind, the only thing calling meant was preaching. He said, I'm, I'm at liberty now. I'm free now because I found out what my calling is. He said, my wife and I have a calling to give. 
He said, that's our gifting. That's our calling. He said, I I couldn't get a sermon to save my life, but he said, God is always giving me ideas on how to make money. He said, I'm not bragging, but he said, I make more money by accident than a lot of people make on purpose. He said, God just gives me ideas and and my business is flourishing. He said, said, uh, last year, my wife and I gave 20% of our income to the church and we lived on 80%. He said, this year, my wife and I are giving, we are on track at the end of the year. If we keep up what we're doing now, we will have given 30% of our income to the church and we will have lived on 70%. And he's just smiling. He's acting like he just won the lottery, you know, because he's, he's so glad he's able to give so much. And he said, you know what our goal is? And I said, no, what? He said, our goal is to get to the point where we live on 10% of our income and give 90% to the church. Now, how many of you know we can all give to God? We can all tithe and give offerings. But how many of you know what that guy is doing is in a different category? I think he has been influenced by God. And see, you want to know the cool thing about it? Is that nobody told him to do that. No preacher twisted his arm. Nobody put him on a guilt trip. I'd never even heard of anybody doing that. Nobody nobody pressured, manipulated, coerced the guy. You know why he, he, he was so joyful about that? And he was so happy about that is because he was yielding to the influence in his life and he was giving the expression in the area of giving. See, one of the common... Now, now let's go back to that one point about prophecy. Paul said, if, if your gift is prophecy... You know, I think the church, by and large... I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about churches in general. I think we have made such a mistake of... of putting certain things in a religious box. Some people think if a person prophesies that it has to be public, that it has to be in a church service. You know, I I think that... You know, let me give you a definition of prophecy. Prophecy is when a person is inspired to say something that edifies somebody else. Do you know how simple that could be? Prophecy is, according to 1 Corinthians 14, prophecy is as an utterance, something you say in a tongue, a language that your your listener understands, and it does three things. It edifies the person. It exhorts the person. Edify means to build up. Exhort means to call them near, meaning call them near to God, and it comforts. Number one, let me give you three things that prophecy is not necessarily. Prophecy is not necessarily public. You could do that in private. Prophecy is not necessarily uh, directional. You're not telling somebody what to do or how to live their life. The Bible doesn't say that prophecy directs a person. It says it comforts the person. It builds them up. It calls them close to God. And thirdly, prophecy is not necessarily revelatory, meaning it it doesn't necessarily reveal anything. You know, you're not... It doesn't mean necessarily that you're saying to somebody, you know, I perceive you have a hip problem and your doctor's name is Dr. Smith 
and he gave you this treatment, but, you know, today... See, that's revelation. That's not just prophecy. Prophecy can be as simple. There's a story. I'm not going to go into the long detail of it, but there's a little boy that had a problem with stuttering, and he had a situation in church publicly where he was asked to pray, and he stuttered terribly, and he was so humiliated and so embarrassed. And, and when the church service was about to dismiss, uh, he just wanted to find a door to get out of church because he'd prayed so bad and he'd stuttered and messed everything up and he thought one of the leaders of the church was going to correct him for praying so bad. And when the minister dismissed the service, that little boy bolted for the exit and right before he got to the door, uh, a gentleman grabbed him by the shoulder, just gently grabbed him by the shoulder and he thought, man, uh, the little kid thought, man, I wasn't fast enough. I'm going to get chewed out. I'm going to get... And he turns around and he outshirts one of the leaders of the church and, and, um, and he looks up thinking the guy's just going to rebuke him and correct him. And that gentleman just said, Larry, I just want you to know, whatever you decide to do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent. And there was something in those words that were so encouraging, that little boy that was feeling so much humiliation and shame and embarrassment, it just flooded him with acceptance and love and encouragement. It was just a simple statement, Larry, whatever you decide to do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent. It wasn't religious sounding. But you know what? Question, could that man have been inspired the love of God inspired him. The Spirit inspired him just to speak a word that would build that young man up and call him close so that the shame didn't drive him away from church or from God and it comforted that little boy. See, prophecy can be simple one-on-one -on -one where you're not trying to act hyper-spiritual or hyper-religious. Now, what if that man, instead of catching that boy privately... What if he felt that if, you know, he felt a, a, a tug in his heart to help that boy? What if he thought that prophecy always had to be public and it always had to be real religious sounding? What if right after his terrible prayer, that guy had stood up and said, Yea, saith the Lord to this young man, you know, that would have just embarrassed that boy more. So we have to ask ourselves sometimes, what are we really trying to do? Are we trying to draw attention to ourselves, Or are we really trying to help the other person? Prophecy, mercy, giving. Some of those things obviously can be public, but you know, a lot of that can just happen in our day-to-day -day lifestyle without us acting religious or spiritual. You know, you may be sitting at work and somebody just gets chewed out by the boss and you know it's not fair, and, but they get reamed out. You know that person is distressed and maybe you don't know that person really well, but you just go over to them and say, hey, I just want you to know I've been watching you. You're a good worker. That could be an inspired utterance that edifies them, that comforts them. You might even have a prophecy. You know, you don't have to go over and say, Yea, saith the Lord, thou hast been unjustly accused. You know, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Just, hey, I've been watching you. you. You're a good worker. You have a good heart. You know, don't let that bother you. You're great. 
And you know what? And maybe then the gift of giving kicks in. Here, here's $15. I want you to go buy a nice lunch today. Just want to let you know, I, I care about you. And you know, the next thing you know, a few days later, that person might come back to you and say, well, why'd you do that the other day? Why'd you uh, give me that money for lunch? Why'd you say that? And you just say, well, you know, I, I just, my heart was with you. And, and uh, you know, I, I happen, I, I, I'm a person that loves God. And, and God tells us to be compassionate, helpful. I just wanted you to know that God loves you. See how natural and normal all that is? And see what it is, it's a Christian who recognizes that he's part of everybody. And he's been influenced by the Spirit of God, by the love of God, by the wisdom of God. And now he's a Christian who's giving an expression of those gifts, of those graces. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. We could say it this way, freely God has influenced you, freely give an expression. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for every believer that's here today at Summit Church. And, and, and Lord, because these people love you, these people uh, are hungry for you, uh, these people want to be influenced by you and want to give an expression of you in the earth. Lord, we don't have to get under pressure, guilt, condemnation and try to be like somebody else or try to measure up to somebody else. Lord, we just have to follow what you've put in our heart. We don't have to get under condemnation because somebody else gave 90% of their income. Lord, you're not asking us to do what somebody else did. You're just asking us to look on the inside of our heart and see how have we been influenced and how can we share that influence? How can we let there be an expression come out of our life? Lord, help us not to feel that we've got to compete with somebody or put on a show. But Lord, just let us flow. Let us flow in the love of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God coming out of our lives and out of our hearts. Just before we go, I just want to ask you this question. How many of you, you know, maybe you've been beat up with circumstances. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you're just trying to keep one nostril above water. You know, you've been under pressure and things like that. But... But you'd say, you know what, Tony? I probably haven't been given much of an expression lately. You know, um, I haven't been having the gifts and the abilities of God on the inside uh, expressing themselves through me. And I just want to, today, I just want to go on record and say, you know what? I'm part of everybody. God's made his influence available to me. And I want to give an expression in the earth. I want to give an expression of encouragement here in the body of Christ. I want to serve other people in this church because the word says that we're individually members of one another. I want to give an expression outside of the church. I want to let sinners uh, see good fruit in my life so that they'll be drawn and attracted to Jesus. Just with, with you know, a simple uplifted hand, you're saying... I really want to increase the expression that's coming out of my life. Let me see your hand all over this place. This doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you don't love God. It doesn't mean you're not walking with God. It just means you just want to, you know, you want to go from being a 70-watt bulb to a 100-watt bulb. You want to increase your, your outflow, your expression. Father, you see these hands. You know these hearts. 
Lord, thank you for influencing them, giving them more grace, giving them more influence so that they overflow with your blessings, with your grace, with your mercy, with your gifts and abilities. Thank you, Father, for empowering them to make a difference in the lives of others, to encourage other believers and to be a good witness to the lost. Just go ahead and lower your hands. And let me ask you this right before we head out for today. How many of you would say, Tony, my relationship with God is not what it needs to be. I don't know if I were to die right now that I would go to heaven. I'm not really sure that I'm forgiven. And, and you'd say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I've never given Jesus my life. Listen, you need to know that you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't be good enough, perfect enough, religious enough to go to heaven. Only one kind of person goes to heaven, and that's forgiven people. And Jesus died on the cross so you could be forgiven. He was raised from the dead so you could be made right with God, be made a child of God. How many of you would say, Tony, I need Jesus today, and today I want to give him all of my life and all of my heart. Or you would say, Tony, I've been running away from God. I am backslid. I have not been living for God. You know, I gave him my life at one point, but I've been running away from God. If that's you on either of those invitations, slip your hand up. Let me see it real quick. With uplifted hand, you're saying, I need Jesus for the first time. I need to give my life back to God. Let's just lift our hands right now. Everyone, lift your hands. And let's just pray for somebody that you know who needs Jesus. Lord, make us a witness. Send laborers across that person's path. We break the power of the enemy that's blinded them from seeing the gospel. Lord, let them hear the good news. If we are that messenger, Lord, anoint us and give us wisdom. If somebody else is that laborer that you have for them to be harvested with, give that laborer wisdom and anointing and unction. But Lord, we pray for a mighty expansion of the kingdom of God. We don't want one person we know to, to die lost and separated from you and go to hell. Lord, we want just what you want. We want to see everybody get saved and come to the knowledge of God. Father, we thank you for it. We believe for great things in the lives of your people. And everybody that agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. Well, right before Pastor Terry comes, you know, one of the things we do in our ministry, and this is not just a commercial to sell stuff, but one of the things that's a very much a part of what we do in ministry is produce resources to help people grow in their relationship with God. On the left there, the lady is holding every audio CD that we've ever done. Um, you know, so you'd spill all that getting out to the parking lot. But in the other, in the right picture, she's holding what I'm holding right there. It's a little about, it's about the size of a credit card, and it's got a little USB plug in the back. If you plug that into your computer, uh, it will have every message that she's holding on the left. Uh, it's 125 messages. They're MP3 format, which means you can listen to them from your computer. If you have an iPod or an MP3 player, you can download them. And uh, the gold one has 125 messages. We've got an abbreviated one that's green that has about 58 messages. And uh, so those are available. Uh, if you don't want to do that whole thing, we've got some single messages out there. Uh, the power of talking to yourself. 
uh, managing marital differences. This is great for husbands and wives. And, and listen, if you buy something for marriage, that doesn't mean you're having a marriage terrible thing. It just means you want to improve your marriage, okay? Some people are afraid to buy something for their marriage because they think, what will people think? So don't think anything. We've got one called personality disorders in the church that is very interesting. How many of you know that, you know, sometimes folks that come to church, uh, they got some real quirky, funny, and we've all got quirky stuff. I mean, I'm a little bit quirky. My wife will tell you I'm quirky, but sometimes people get ultra quirky and they, you know, can be real difficult to deal with. And so that might be of interest to some. Uh, what else do we have up there? My daughter's uh, worship CD. Do you still have that? Can you play 10 seconds of it or something? And while that's starting, uh, we also have our book out there called uh, Life After Death, Rediscovering Life After the Loss of a Loved One. And we've got some other grief resource materials. You can just buy the book, but if you get all of it, we've got a special discount. It's to help people with recovering from grief and loss and, and that type of thing. So go ahead and turn it up just a little bit. That's my daughter, our daughter. She inherited the singing voice from my wife, and that's her first solo worship album. I think it's the best worship album on the earth. Okay? You can go ahead and bring it down. I'm prejudiced. I'm a dad. You might not like it as much, but I think it's great, and we've got that out there as well. So, Pastor Terry, I'm going to turn it to you. I want you to give your pastor a real great hand of love and appreciation. Pastor Terry, you're a great man. God bless you. Can you hear me? There you go. All right. Well, boy, I was really blessed by that. How about you? It was an excellent message, and uh, I want to really encourage you to take advantage of Brother Tony's materials out there, as well as his daughter's uh, 